You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and I want to welcome you to day three here in Indianapolis. My co-host, Nicholas Moriano, and I, we are excited to catch you up on today's position groups, the defensive line and linebacker. And even though the defense is the strength of the Bears team, you know, it doesn't mean that they're not doing their homework here on these positions. And actually, after talking to a handful or so of these players, I think we can say that the Bears are really doing their homework when it comes to one position in particular. But before we get into all that, Nick, it's been a lot of fun getting to, of course, work alongside you here for the last couple of days. And I feel like every time we do get to do this, we get to learn a little bit more about one another. Like last night, I found out you've never had a shrimp cocktail before until dinner. Uh, Earlier today, I learned that you don't like oatmeal too much. You are one of those freaks that eat pre-shelled pistachios, which I don't understand why. I don't know what the fun is in eating a pre-shelled pistachio. I don't know. Maybe I'm too fixated on food. Maybe it's lunchtime. We did skip it to come do to this podcast. Um, But sticking on this topic of food, I'm still thinking about that dinner last night, Harry's and Izzy's. Uh, Are you uh, in the same boat as me still dreaming about that steak we had? That that may have been the best steak I've ever had there, Will. It was it just melted in your mouth when you when you ate it, and then also the shrimp cocktail. I've never experienced. What was it in horseradish? Yeah, that was that was intense. That was weird, but it was. I just wanted more of it. Like you told me that, and it's, I just found myself wanting to eat more of it. But yeah, that was a great dinner. Um, I'm glad that you were able to you know share that with me. It was the word special was being thrown around in that restaurant a lot. It was special for sure. It really was. And like you said, shrimp cocktail was really good. I'm actually allergic to shrimp, and I had to have a couple bites myself. Don't tell them there. They may be a little upset at me because they went through a lot of precaution to make sure there was no cross-contamination. But I took a bite anyway. I'm still alive, so I feel pretty good about that. But let's go ahead and get back to the combine here, Nick. And I think our listeners and viewers will love to kind of hear of some of the behind-the-scenes items that we've been able to kind of just stumble across uh, throughout the Indiana Convention Center over these past couple of days. And, you know, we've seen, I think it was yesterday, where players record their draft promo videos. It's like the videos where when a player gets drafted, it's like that stock footage almost of player in a jumpsuit with the NFL logo behind them. They're either twirling a football, like that area. We've seen that uh, earlier this morning on our way up to the media room. We saw the EA room. So where they're getting these players ready for Madden, which I'm confused. If they're already doing it now, the graphics should be way better by the time the season rolls around for some of these rookies because those are never, unless you're like the top five pick, those are never really uh, overly perfect. But we've also walked past, and I think most importantly, some of these informal interviews. You want to let our listeners know you know, what these kind of look like and feel like? Because as for me, from our perspective in the past, I never understood what an informal versus a formal means. And I think we understand that informal literally is pretty informal. Yeah, basically you find a spot, an open spot, wherever in this uh, convention center, and then uh, depending on who the team is or the coaches, you'll you'll talk football. Um, what we saw earlier this morning, there was a prospect and a team, and they were just they had a playbook out there. 
likely going through what you know the the requirements are for the position, what you would do on a specific play, and just kind of getting insight on what about the player and like what their football IQ is, and that's going around all over the place in this convention center. But literally, you find a spot, you talk, just to get to know the prospect a little bit more. Yeah, I never understood what informal meant in terms of. Is it, you know, in a, still in a room or what, like, what's it look like? And like you said, you're literally sitting at a bench here, you know, media, other coaches, front office personnel, social media people just walking right on by and yeah, just picking their brain and we'll see uh, exactly, you know, what that means for some of these players in the future. But uh, for the Bears sake, I know I was able to diagnose a few informal you know, interviews today for the Bears, and you were able to actually get a lot of these formal interview requests because I think they get 45 of those. So it went down from 60 to last year, so no, to 45 now. So they get 45. I know you're able to find out a handful of those. And I know the topic and the name of this episode already gives it away, but since you were the one that was striking some serious gold today during the media availability, do you want to let people know which position the Bears are putting a heavy focus on during their research? Yeah, so a lot of the focus, as it should be, is on the edge prospects, those outside linebacker positions. So um, – I was just going around listening to obviously what each of these guys had to say, but also wondering, well, had they met with the Bears formally or informal? Um, Yader Gross Matos from Penn State, that was a, he formally met with the Bears. Jonathan Grenard has met with the Bears informally at the Combine here and then also met with them at the, the, um, the Senior Bowl, but he said a lot of his formal meetings were actually tomorrow. I would think that the Bears are probably going to go and look into him as well. And then you also had Kalevon Chason, who has formerly met with the Bears. He's you know, projected to be a high-round, first-round draft pick. So Bears still doing their homework there and checking in on these edge prospects because there's not a lot of depth at the position, and they're just making sure that they're doing their homework. Exactly. And there's some later round prospects that had some informal interviews with the team as well. And we'll touch on those in a minute. Uh, before we actually talk about edge, which is going to be the primary focus of today's episode, do you want to just start with defensive line real quick? We don't have a lot on that position. It was a difficult one for us to kind of you know look into ahead of time because it's a unit of strength for this Bears team. And I don't know if they would use some of this draft capital that they have on a defensive lineman, uh, but they may. And I'll go ahead and begin with one that I had the opportunity to kind of listen to, and that's Marlon Davidson. Uh, his last two seasons, he had 11 sacks, 16 tackles for a loss. Uh, looking at his body, he's 6'3", 297, and what I know of him, he's very good at block shading. He's really good using his power to his advantage. He's not the quickest guy, most athletic, but I do think his combination skills is interesting to Chicago. He could fit in that five-tech, uh, like where Roy Robinson Harris is or Bilal Nichols or maybe an eventual Akeem Hicks replacement type of guy. Unfortunately for us, uh, Davidson's a second to third round grade, so I don't think he would fit right where the Bears are because I don't. I think there's bigger needs, of course, to kind of take with these picks. Um, but talking to him, I know he li- uh, made a good joke saying, you know, I line up at a one tech, a zero tech. I'd line up outside. Heck, I'd play the tight end if a team asked me to. Whatever, you know, I, I can do a little bit of everything, which he did at Auburn as well. Um, but like I said, DE, it's not the biggest need. Hicks isn't getting any, you know, younger so that is something that the Bears may need to look on later on so I I don't know if Davis is a great fit Um, I didn't get a lot of time um, but I did like his demeanor his attitude and I know he had another interesting quote that a lot of people liked was uh, when I go out there football is the area where I can go out there and constantly abuse a man beat up on a guy without a threat uh, you know of the cops coming down my way so one of those uh, quotes that you only get here at the NFL Combine but when it comes to the defensive line, Marlon Davidson uh, is someone that I was able to kind of listen to and kind of stuck with me. Everyone else, though, at least from my perspective, I know you have one as well. 
kind of just blended in together. And it's like, I was just kind of trying to take in some of these stories. I know you have a story as well, but yeah, this one was so far out of all the positions we've kind of had the opportunity to interact with. Yeah. Defensive line was the toughest one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously there's like these top end guys that like a Derek Brown and stuff like that. Not worth, not that it's not worth listening in, but you know, the bears are realistically not going to look at a player like that. A guy that I listened in on was uh, Rick, Rayquan Williams, six four, three hundred 300 pound defensive lineman out of Michigan state. And the only reason I went over there is because I heard the word Chicago. I'm like, okay, let me look him up. His hometown is from Chicago. And the story with him is that he, he almost stepped away from football because, um, he actually lost his younger brother and his cousin to to shootings back in his hometown, and there just wasn't enough positive role models in his family's life at the time, enough men that can really, you know, just be the focal point in the family. So he, he ended up still going to Michigan State to play the, the sport that he loves, obviously, but that was just an interesting story to hear from him, and I got to ask him a question, obviously being, you know, in the, from the Chicagoland area, just what it's, I asked him what it's like what message would you give to kids who are in those kind of situations? And he's like, you know what, just kind of stay positive, work hard. Things will get better. You know, maybe Raekwon Williams would be a story that you can tell people, those kids that are in those areas, that he's someone that you can body, can have that mindset to get out of something like that. But, again, just an interesting story in general. He did meet with the Bears at the East-West Shrine game, so the Bears obviously did some homework on him. But just an interesting story, and there's a lot of guys like this, and that's why it's interesting to talk to the players that are not being as heavily scouted or, you know, coveted by these NFL teams. But that was just one that I wanted to highlight here any other defensive linemen that you had to share any insight on today uh, that's all I had was my one how about you same here just the one guy Raekwon Williams doesn't matter because the Bears are doing their homework at another position like we mentioned and that is of course at edge and I guess I'll just begin with my favorite prospect of the day and that is Ladarius Hamilton uh the only reason I knew about him was our writer our draft guy Steve Letizia in his last article had him as, as a sleeper pick. Uh, he's from North Texas, not a lot of film on him. You don't know a lot about this guy. And I was like, I noticed his podium was a little empty. There's only a few people there. I was like, I want to check him out. Uh, so I walk up there, and uh, first thing I asked uh, was, hey, have you met with the Bears? And he said, yeah, it was informal, um, but it went really, really well. And I was like, that's interesting. And he was talking about how he loves to come off the edge, and he doesn't mind a double or a triple team, which, of course, when you think of double or triple teams on edge, my mind went Khalil Mack. So I was like, Ladarius, like, how would you feel if you had an opportunity to sit there and learn from a Cleo Mack? And he was gushing at the thought of it. Ladarius was you know, very vocal about how great he thinks Cleo Mack is. He says, in his opinion, he is one of the best out there right now, which I think that's an easy opinion for most of us to have, but still wanted to let you know that that's how he, how high he thinks of Cleo Mack. Uh, he said he would always be kind of taking notes, always kind of peeking over a little bit and see what Mack's doing, wanting to learn from him in every way possible. And I kind of love that attitude, that mindset. But it's always fun to like mention like a Cleo Mack to some of these guys and mm-hmm. Of course, for them, it's a real opportunity to where they may get to have that chance. And he really seemed like he would love an opportunity like that. And he did reiterate afterwards, like, yeah, that meeting with the Bears went really, really well. And then off the field, I asked him, so what kind of guy are you off the field? And he, again, his personality is so bubbly. I wish he had an opportunity to meet him. But he's saying, you know, I'm a relaxed guy. just like to hang out with friends, go to the arcade, uh, do some bowling. And I was like, what's your bowling score? And he's like, oh, no, I'm not good at it. I'm not good at it at all. And I was like, I'm not either. I average maybe like a 110, 115. He's like, he's like I'm lucky if I get 90. Oh, <laughs> and I was like, well, bumpers up, right? He's like, oh, always, always going to have those bumpers up. 
Uh, but on the field, he's he mentioned he's a hard worker, he's a leader, uh, and honestly, like I said, he was just someone that uh, really stuck out to me for his personality, his work ethic, his attitude, and he's someone right now, he's a late-round kind of flyer type of prospect, but he is someone that I think the Bears may be interested in. He's someone that I want to do more research on, mm-hmm. someone I actually want to reach out to so we can bring him on a podcast. He's like that kind of personality uh, as well, but just wanting to, for a production standpoint, his last two seasons at North Texas, he had 15 sacks and 21 and a half tackles for a loss kind of played all over but like he said he loves to play coming off the edge in the stand-up position and he may be a good developmental long-term kind of prospect at edge for the bears but how about you i hand the mic over uh who's an edge prospect that you were able to talk to and some story behind that yeah so i was able to talk to florida edge rusher jonathan grenard and just um to tell you a little bit about him he's a guy that definitely the Bears I think are interested in like I said earlier in the podcast they have met with him informally at the senior bowl and then he has a bunch of formal meetings on tomorrow so we'll see if the Bears are one of them but Grenard what he was kind of saying in his interview there is that he wants to prove to a lot of teams that he is an athlete there's this stigma that he's not he would he played running back and wide receiver when he was in high school then he hit a growth spurt and eventually had to go to the defensive side of that edge position but he says that competing in the linebacker drills being able to show that he can flip his hips and run you know efficiently is how he'll be able to prove that, hey, look, I'm not just a powerful guy that has a bull rush. I can work you know, efficiently in pass coverage, which he did at Florida. He was a stand-up guy. That's what he kept on saying throughout. He's versatile. He can put his hand in the dirt. He can be on the edge there, stand-up position, and rush the quarterback. Um, he said that his favorite hit, which I, I definitely um, agree with, uh, if you watch the Florida State film, there's this hit where you're like, I'm surprised this isn't flagged because of how vicious it was. But he also said that, you know, I'm glad I was able to make that hit, and it was legal. So it was kind of funny that he he was talking about that. But he also feels that he can fit in any system, so it doesn't matter if he's a 4-3 outside linebacker, if an edge or a 3-4 outside linebacker, it doesn't matter. He feels that he is able to play effectively in any position that he's put in. And then I also asked him because yesterday Kentucky guard Logan Stenberger or Stenberg uh, said that he, Grenard, was the toughest guy that he's ever played against. And then I, I told him about that, and I asked him, why do you think you're so tough to block? And basically Stenberg said, or Stenberg, um, Grenard said that it's just because his mentality. He doesn't take playing um, – football for granted because he did miss the whole entire 2018 season with a wrist injury so he goes out there playing football like it's his last down like it's his last game so he doesn't take it for granted he doesn't like to lose and you could see that in his game just a pursuit player even if it's on the backside, you're gonna see Grenard going and chasing after a, a ball carrier but he's finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds meet the ergo smart base from Tempur-Pedic our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. A ferocious player on the field. Uh, he's actually a homebody off the field. He says if you're not, if he's not playing football, he's like, I'm staying home. I'm taking a nap. I'm a homebody, and I thought that was interesting. So Grenard, uh, again, a guy that the Bears did meet with um, in two for, uh, two forms here in this uh, off-season process. But I expect them to also make an, a formal interview sometime soon. 
Yeah, I know he seems like a really interesting prospect, a really good player, and, of course, seems like a pretty neat person off the field as well. I mean, low-key kind of guy. I mean, Mm -hmm. you know, he's not a big personality, but he has confidence. Absolutely. And that's always a good combination to have as well. Looking at my list, someone else that uh, I know you were around for just a little bit, um, but I stuck around for a little bit more, was uh, Bradley Anai. He's an edge guy out of Utah. Uh, He did have an informal meeting with the Chicago Bears. Uh, He did finish with 30 sacks, which was a school record at Utah as well. Uh, His 40 tackles for a loss was fourth. Uh, ranked in their all-time program history, but his uh, tackles for lost yards, which is, I forget the exact number, but I know that was the most uh, in school history as well. So he's someone that's really uh, in the backfield all the time in Utah. Um, I know his dad played uh, college football. His uncle played college football. I think his uncle's actually an offensive uh, coach at BYU, if I remember correctly. So football runs huge in this family. Uh, One thing that you and I both noticed, though, he's really soft-spoken. Yeah, he's someone where like I was like we started interviewing. Like I didn't even know like I thought it was just more murmuring of like media people, but mm-hmm. no, he was up there with a microphone. It was still a little bit hard to hear. Uh, one story I was able to kind of get through to my ears though. He was talking about he's comfortable swimming with sharks, yeah. which took me by surprise. I mean, you never expect to hear that uh, whatsoever. But yeah, he's fine with swimming with sharks in the ocean as long as it's not a tiger shark. He says stay away from a tiger shark uh, when they're hungry. They can't tell the difference between a turtle and a human. <laughs> so he'll never get in the water, or he tries not to get in the water when there are tiger sharks around. Um, but he is known for his high motor, his intensity. Uh, looking at his draft profile, his uh, scouting report, they do say that he does lack some of these physical gifts. He was asked about that. He said he thinks he has more than he's been able to show, uh, that he thinks actually goes a little bit underrated. So that's something to kind of keep on in the combine, see if that holds true or if he does rank you know, average in all these athletic tests. Um, but I don't know if this is fair to an eye or not because he had a prolific career at Utah. But I get a little weary of getting guys out of Utah when I think of Kylie Fitz. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> it's an easy one to forget, but, again, it's probably not fair to him at all. You know, Fitz obviously did not pan out, uh, and I know Fitz had his own issues with injuries throughout his collegiate career as well. Anai has been healthy, and, yeah, I'll see exactly how that kind of works out. But Anai, he did have – an informal meeting with the Bears. Uh, didn't get to learn a lot about him. Very soft-spoken, kind of a little bit brief in his responses. At least we got to find out. He met with the Bears, though, uh, and he likes to swim with sharks. But interesting story. Uh, but how about you? We're passing the buck again. Uh, next edge guy. Yeah, so the next guy that I kind of want to highlight here is LSU edge rusher Kalevon Chason. Uh, I just thought, just listening to him, he's just very well-spoken and knows how to articulate his answers. Um, he did say he was the most valuable player in this draft. And he's like, the reason why is like I can speak three languages. And those three languages are rush the passer, drop back in coverage, and play the run. But how, I mean, that's one, just a great answer to yeah. give. And, you know, I think as teams will look at that like, okay, here's a confident guy, but it's just an interesting way of approaching that. He also wore the number 18 at LSU. And what's significant about that, that's given to, you know, players over the years who show high character. And it was it was Kalevon Chason and also center Lloyd Cushenberry, who's also in this draft class that wore that number. So it kind of just tells you the person that he is. And he was telling us a story or, you know, a couple of stories that whenever he's in just Ben Rouge or sees like a homeless person, he's like more times than not, I'm just going to go buy food and just give that to that person. He doesn't do it for, you know, the, the media attention or anything like that. there's no cameras involved. He just feels like he's a, 
you know, a good person and wants to give back to people who are not as fortunate. So that kind of just shows, like, who he is as a person. And also, that's the reason he's playing football. He just genuinely loves the game. He's not doing it for the money, the fame, or any of the recognition like that. He loves playing football. And one of the stories that he's been hearing or rumors is that he only started playing when he was in high school. Well, that's not true. He didn't play one year due to an injury, but he's been playing football his entire life. So he want, he said right here, right now, we're going to stop that rumor. I've been playing football my entire life. But I think those are just the the answers that he gave and how confident he, he presented himself with, I think is just something that, one, the Bears obviously are looking at because they did have a formal meeting with him, and he's a guy that can do it all. He he kind of reminds me of a Leonard Floyd being able to drop back in coverage, but also at Georgia he was able to get to the pass rusher. Um, I think that Calevon Chason is that guy. Despite only having nine sacks in his three years there, he says that obviously there's other ways to impact the game, and he kept telling the media, go check the tape, go check the tape. Not in like an ignorant way or anything like that, sure. but – my his game is impacting or he's impacting the game in other ways it's just not in the sack total numbers is he someone that you do see being a pretty decent fit if he can if the bears can find a way to you know draft him and bring him in because obviously with the those three languages that you mentioned i would love to have all three out of you know one of our new edge guys on this team yeah i think whatever edge prospect the bears you know do draft which i think they're getting in this draft he they have to be versatile and I think Caleb on Chason would definitely fit that mold. Like I said, he is projected to be a top-round talent, first round. Yeah. So the Bears don't pick until number 43 in the second. If he were to somehow slide, I don't think the Bears are going to give up draft capital to go get him. There's no question I think the Bears would take a guy like that. Thoughts about them actually using one of those limited formal interviews, though, and a guy that's potentially or definitely looks to be out of reach? You know, I think that does say something about what the Bears are, are kind of doing here. Even the next person I'm going to talk about, Yader Gross-Matos, they used a formal a formal interview on him. He's supposed to be maybe bottom first, early second. But to see it on Kate LeVon Chason, you never know. Because the Bears want to obviously do their homework on all these edge prospects. But if they feel that this is a guy that maybe is a, obviously a difference maker that can help not have every single double team and triple team on Cleo Mack, that's going to you know, be very well for his football team because the Bears didn't have a lot of sacks last year, and they obviously need help there. But they do, they do have 45 uh, formal meetings that they have, lower than last year. But still, it is interesting that they did use one in a guy that is completely out of their range. Right. I understand he may want to exhaust all options and maybe you know, have what you know not worst-case scenarios, maybe best-case scenarios. Yeah. Like, hey, best-case, somehow this guy falls or we have an opportunity to trade up somehow. Mm-hmm. I understand why you want to keep all your options at least open. But, yeah, to use a formal interview in a guy that doesn't seem that will be on the board uh, you know, anywhere close to the team is interesting. It could be telling. It could just be nothing. Uh, that's the NFL combine for you uh, in a nutshell. Looking here for me, uh, Julian Aquara, the edge guy out of Notre Dame, uh, 13 sacks his last two seasons, five last year. But remember, he only played nine games after breaking his fibula. And speaking of that injury, you know he's been out uh, rehabbing for some time, and he's calling the injury minor. He's never been hurt before. It was just a broken bone in his leg, so he's uh, pretty adamant that it's not going to be a red flag or an issue for him whatsoever. But he says it's actually allowed him to – actually grow and love the game of football more because he realized how much he misses it, which in turn shows him how much it means to him. Uh, And his brother, I mean, it runs in the family. His brother, he plays for the Lions, and he actually was saying how cool it would be to either play with or against his brother. And, of course, if he got here in Chicago, he can do that twice a year, uh, which is, of course, 
a very interesting thing as well. Uh, he was born in London, raised in Nigeria. Uh, he moved to the United States in third grade. He said that his parents, uh, they taught him a lot, including that you know hard work it comes with a lot of sacrifice. And due to that kind of mantra and mindset, he does hold himself to a high standard. But he knows that he and believes in himself that he's built for the NFL. This is what he's meant to do. And he's excited for this journey. Uh, I actually stopped at his podium because of the buzzword that you had too, Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, he wasn't talking about the Bears specifically. He was just talking about how much he likes that city. Uh, he likes Chicago guys, the Chicago attitude. I don't know. Maybe he's just trying to talk up a little bit, knowing that the Bears personnel may be checking in on this interview as well. Um, it was a little crazy at his podium. I was probably eight, nine rows back, so unable to get a question out if he met with the team or not. But, of course, talking up the city of Chicago is always great. Uh, but, again, that injury, uh, he's learning how to – rehab right now and he said even though his process is probably a little bit slower than some of the other guys that are here doing the full athletic tests and getting grades his process is a little bit longer a little bit slower but he's trusting the process and he's okay with that process Uh, so he's having a little bit of patience here in terms of who he is as a player he mentioned that he has a power mindset he loves to bully offensive linemen and his goal on each and every down is to get that offensive lineman right into the lap of a quarterback and that's what he loves to do the most and I know at Notre Dame he's been he was asked to do a lot of different things, but rushing the passer is his top priority and his favorite thing to do as well. But he's someone that the Bears could look into at the second round that should be available or has a good chance of being available as well. How about you, Nick? Do you have any other players? I think you mentioned that you may have one or two. Yeah, so just uh, I mentioned him earlier, Yader Gross-Matos out of Penn State. Uh, the Bears did meet formally with um, just some, I guess, interesting tidbits from him. He does model his game after Jason Pierre-Paul, a guy that he's watched. He grew up a Giants fan, and then I think one of the reporters asked him, what would it be like to play for the Cowboys? Like, you know, back then I would have hated it, but of course I'm open to going anywhere. Whoever drafts me is going to love playing there. Um, he was also asked who was the toughest player that he played against, and I guess this is all for, for any of the Iowa fans that uh, watch his, and listen to his podcast, Nate Stanley, the quarterback there. He said, regardless of how hard I hit him, he just kept getting back up. So, um, again, shows uh, who Nate Stanley is as a quarterback. He also really likes Bradley Chubb, who was uh, drafted, obviously, uh, what, not number one pick, but first couple picks a couple years ago now. And um, having a guy like him, just watching his tape, he's just an athletic freak. Six foot five, I think 260, 264. You could see that he knows how to get to the quarterback using inside rush moves. And again, the Bears met, did their homework on him, met with him just to get a little bit of a better understanding. And I think that's just been the common theme from this day, Will. We've seen the Bears just do their homework on these edge prospects because they know it's something they need to address for the 2020 season. Anything else you need to say about you have another prospect? I just want to make sure because my list is pretty wiped out here. So I just wanted to make sure that if you had another one, I can give you the floor to do so. Do have one more? I just I met with him for maybe about two minutes just because it's um, I was with uh, Jonathan Grenard just getting his answers. But uh, Jabari Zuniga is actually Grenard's teammate, the opposite edge rusher. Um, the Bears did meet with him informally, and I just asked him what was it like you and Grenard being you know on that same pass rushing uh, front seven. There, he's like, well, when you have a dog on the other side, it just makes your job a lot easier. And I asked him competition is there any like competition who's going to get to the quarterback first he's like oh absolutely that happens all the time it's like who's going to get there first so um the bears did again meet with him informally but that's that's about it will when it comes to edge rushing prospects my gut after 
everything that we heard today and all the information that we found out about the Bears either meeting with a handful of these you know players formally and another handful informally, I mean, there's almost a good 10 different edge prospects that yeah. the Bears have. I think it's a little less than 10, but a good large number, more than any other position that we've so far been able to kind of address. Taking that confidence level or expectation level, 1 to 10, the Bears drafting an edge guy in this draft. Oh, it's got to be about an 8 or a 9. I think they are drafting an edge prospect. I don't know if it's going to be that first pick in the second round, but there will be someone else new drafted, not through free agency. Their Bears are draft, definitely drafting somebody. Yeah, 8 or 9 sounds about right. I'm glad he didn't say 10. Then we would have jinxed it. Yeah. So we're pretty safe here. I think we all want the Bears to draft someone along the edge. We all know we need a, a little bit of infusion there. That's re- Whether or not you know Leonard Floyd stays or goes, it doesn't matter. They need to find a way to continue to address uh, this position to get Khalil Mack the help that he needs, uh, a counterpart that he needs to you know fully thrive in this defense and really kind of fully unleash all of his potential. All right, Nick, any final thoughts from today at all or anything you're looking forward to tomorrow from the DBs? Um, so I think with the DBs, uh, I, when we look at it, especially with Prince of Mukamara not being here anymore, cornerback could definitely be one of the, the positions that the Bears really look into drafting. I don't know if it's going to be that second-round pick, but it's definitely one to look into. And at, also at safety, the only guy that's officially under contract is Eddie Jackson, I think um, one of the practice squad players. But – it's it's not a guaranteed position for the Bears, so they're probably doing their homework at, at in the secondary right now. We'll see how many you know interviews that we can find out, you know, formal or informal tomorrow as well when it comes to the defensive backs. Like you said, corner can definitely be in play. Safety feels like it should be in play right now. I mean, free agency can change that, but as the team sits right now, you have to be looking at some of these options. Um, but looking at tomorrow, it looks like you're going to have a pretty early flight and a pretty interesting flight, huh? Uh, yes, and I actually can't disclose that information, but we're going to see right now um, it might be a yeah a shorter day for me, which is unfortunate, but we'll, we'll get a lot of work done in the meantime. So even though you can't disclose information, if you take said photo, the, yes. then you get to disclose said information? Absolutely. Okay, check on uh, Nick's Twitter here probably <laughs> Friday night uh, to see how that works out. Good thing I didn't say it. We would have had to cut this episode up. And I was actually proud of us because we've been able to do it all one take, which we always do, but with some distractions and people walking by. I always feel a little bit more proud uh, to be able to kind of take care of that one as well. But I want to thank everyone for tuning into the show. We really do appreciate each and every one of you. I know I say it on every episode, but we really do mean it. And if you appreciate us, please make sure to take a moment just to rate and review our show on Apple Podcasts. That helps us reach our goal of 600 before training camp and, of course, helps us reach more and more Bears fans. We don't have marketing dollars. We have you. So word of mouth is all we have. So please help us out if you can. We just have one more day to go here in Indianapolis, and we'll talk to you soon. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Bear down.